Your ears do not deceive you. You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to another fun episode of Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I am here today with Phil Falco. Phil is one of the uh, co-creators and editors of uh, current Kickstarter for Hairology, Volume 1. Uh, Phil also has been involved with Bivisibility, a bisexual comic book anthology, as well as Slice of Life and um, the uh, Haunt and, and Haunting. And I am very excited to talk to Phil. The, the, current, the Kickstarter right now for Hairology, when we're recording this, there's two weeks left. It's about 57% funded. And it has some amazing creators in it. So please welcome Phil to the uh, Cryptid Creator Corner. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on, Jimmy, and for saying everything. You, I can't even think of another thing to say about myself. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find we'll, we'll, we'll have to. Talk. Yeah, we had. We'll have to find some things as as we're recording today. I'll so tell you what I have the dinner. current kicks. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Um, I just had fries tonight uh, because I, I, you know, I'm just some. Sometimes I make bad choices, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the current Kickstarter, and I want to talk about some of your other comic book endeavors and, and some of your other things. But um, the the Kickstarter right now, Hairology Volume One, you and um, a cat Alamia, and um, you've also teamed with Jamila Rouser from uh, Wash Day Diaries um, to bring Hairology Volume 1. It's uh, another anthology with a bunch of stories all involving um, hair in some fashion. Uh, the, the Kickstarter page says collecting 12 original stories tackles diverse topics including natural hair, cancer, transitioning, body hair, dye, balding, and locks across a wide spectrum of genres, Genres, which includes action, slice of life, sci-fi, modern, fantasy, autobiography, dystopia, and even werewolves. Um, I mean, that is like quite a package going from some kind of, let's say, less serious topics to extremely serious topics. Um, kind of how, how did this all come about? in terms of wanting to do this type of an anthology. Yeah, so uh, like you mentioned earlier, Kat and I were coming off of two volumes of Bivisibility. And you know, each time when we were reviewing submissions for Bivisibility, we were just blown away by the wide variety of stories that we caught. You know, everything about bisexuality, but so many different genres, so many creative takes, so many varying degrees of tone and, and language and every, everything, honestly, after the first volume, we were like, oh man, if we do a second volume, I wonder if we're going to get like the caliber of stories that we got the first time around. Jimmy, you were in the first volume, so you know. Um, and then, I was. I was very happy to be. And uh, the second time around, we were just shocked because people kept bringing their A-game and kept bringing all of these like diverse and like varied stories. And uh, after the second volume, we knew we wanted to do more anthologies. We knew that we wanted to do at least one or two anthologies a year. And we wanted to try something new. So... You know, Kat and I kicked around a few ideas. Um, we definitely enjoyed doing by visibility and definitely would love to do another one someday. But we wanted to do something completely different. We didn't want to do anything about sexuality for our next uh, for our, the next anthology. And you know, Kat and I talk about everything, of course, because we work together so mm -hmm. often. But one thing we talk about a lot is hair. Um, 
uh, Kat and my brother both have curly hair and they grew up with curly hair, would always talk about how, how differently they were treated because of their hair. And like, it became kind of a running joke in our group. And one day we were like, oh, what's our next anthology? And then Kat suggested, why not hair? And we realized quickly, oh, everyone has a hair story. Everyone has a different relationship with their hair. The same way that we saw all that wide variety with by visibility, we knew that we'd get possibly an even bigger pool, an even wider net of stories with hairology. And we definitely did, as you as you read from the from the list of all of the different topics and all the different genres we got. And you know, from from the time we decided it was a hair anthology, um, I think we we started taking submissions like less than a month after that. We we roped Jamila in, who was such a such a pleasure to have on board, and open submissions, and then everything's just kind of like bullet been a bullet train since then. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, you, you're right. You know, you said everyone does have um, a hair story, and when I was going through the, the campaign page on Kickstarter and kind of seeing like the little previews and the little log line for each story, and it it really is amazing. You know, someone might think like, well, how many, how many different types of stories can you really get out of hair as a theme? But, you know, there is so much tied into it in terms of personality, in terms of identity, in terms of with cancer and someone dealing with uh, that you know type of disease or in, in just so many, I was just uh, very impressed with just the different level of storytelling involved and i mean plus uh, when you look at the 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 even the preview pages just the artwork in it is just unbelievable i mean it's just amazing not only talented writers but talented artists who have come together for this anthology 100% yeah um we were really lucky for the whole team that we were able to pull together writers and artists just uh you know i think that uh, people get excited when they see something different. You know, we saw it with by visibility. Like there wasn't really a, there wasn't really, there weren't really comics that were all, all about bisexuality um, when we opened the submission. So we attracted a lot of like really talented creators when we did that. And then with hair, it was just such a such a different topic than uh than I think you usually see um in the anthology space especially. But you know, in storytelling in general and comics in general, and uh, really brought in so many talented creators who were all bringing their A game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you think about it, it, it makes sense in terms of comics because so many stories involving hair are so you know are so visual. You know, it, it can be difficult to kind of like describe in terms of prose or, or text based, but there's and there's so many unique visual things with like whether or not it's hair having a life of its own, or whether or not it's. Um, I, w- I was reading through the the one comic, Silent Suffering, um, in terms of the the main character who has a cancer diagnosis and kind of a, a you know a silent paneled comics to kind mm-hmm. of tell what that person is going through um you know it, it's it really is it really is impressive is the word I, I keep coming back to and and diverse um which is another you know fantastic thing so many different types of stories not just in tone but in in genre I think is uh I think is wonderful Absolutely. Yeah, that was, uh, fortunately, it wasn't something we had to hunt for that diversity. You know, it came to us and uh, we're really glad, you know, hair has a lot of uh, cultural implications as well. And, you know, that's part of the reason that Kat and I wanted to bring another editor on board and Jamila couldn't be a more qualified editor. I mean, as you mentioned, she she was coming off of Wash Day Diaries and she brought such a fresh perspective and 
I'll, I'll, we got so many wonderful applicants to the anthology, so many people who uh, brought like and all kinds of tones, all kinds of history, all kinds of takes on hair. And it was just like, so great. Like you mentioned, the, the silent cancer story comes from actually a doctor who was writing, you know, kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different um, patients that they had interacted with. And, you know, it felt, it felt so real and lived because of that experience. And we're so thankful for all the experiences that all of our creators were able to bring to this anthology. And so when you, you, you get together to, to you, you figure out your theme, you bring in uh, Jamila Rouser. Um, and when you start getting submissions, like, did you have to come up, you know, I'm always curious about like the criteria to try and like winnow, you know, things down. Did you have a type of process or did you think about, you know, kind of like the, the balance of the stories in terms of like, you know, the up and down, almost like you're, you know, you're putting together a, I, I would think when I was younger, putting together like a, a mixtape, <laughs> you know, in terms of putting the good, anthology together. <laughs> that's a good analogy. Um, with the first by visibility, our first anthology, um, I think we got around a hundred submissions of scripts and then, okay. you know, another probably hundred of artists and Kat and I actually reviewed all of those together. Like we read the scripts together, we discussed each one and we kind of kept a running tally as we went. And it took a very long time. It took, <laughs> and I live close together and we would literally get together like every evening after work. And we worked on it for like a week and a half straight. And wow. um, it was rewarding. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, but with volume two of by visibility, we had another editor, um, my, my brother, Dan, and uh, we did kind of a hybrid approach where we all read the stories individually to start. And then like, we would read some together as well. You know, we would, uh, Kind of because we had even more submission. I think we were in like 150 range at that point. So there were some okay. in the beginning where we read separately and then we come together and then revisit any that we read individually as a group with Hairology. And this is also partially because Jamila uh, wasn't located close to, wasn't near Kat and I. We had to do a lot of meeting remotely. Uh, mm -hmm. We divided and conquered. We each read every submission individually. We came up with our favorites and, you know, kind of like loose ranking. And then we would come together and, uh, debate what uh, what stories go into the anthology are we hitting all of the beats we want to do we have uh the do we have the diversity of stories that we're looking to get into the anthology and you know fortunately um it wasn't that hard come once we all came together we had a lot of commonality and there was just you know a handful that we had to kill our darlings with because obviously you can only have so much space and right i don't know if having worked in all of those kind of like methods of curating an anthology i'm not sure which is the best i think Definitely, it was there was a great experience reading together um, when we did the first by visibility. But mm -hmm. I also think sometimes you color each other's opinions a little bit when you read something together. Versus when we come in separately, maybe Kat had in a different different opinion than me when she read it. She read it in a different headspace, and we kind of she's able to bring me to her level or vice versa. So you know, I think both methodologies have their their pros and their cons. And I'm sure that uh, with our future anthologies, we'll we'll find even more creative ways to curate and discuss the stories that we get. But, you know, it's, it's been a really fun time each time. That's awesome. Um, uh, did I see that there's a, a forward by, um, by Gail Simone for the, for hairology? There is indeed. Um, Gail hilariously volunteered herself. Um, we had just reached out. So Gail has, you know, obviously a background um, in writing about hair. She, she uh, formerly, uh, uh, prior in a prior life, you know, she had worked with hair. So, uh, Right, I think she was. Was she like a, a hair stylist or she was worked a hairdresser, in some capacity before really, 
you know, becoming the Gail Simone that we all know in terms of the comic world. Exactly. Um, And Kat, you know, she had a relationship with Gail. Like they they knew each other. They were familiar with each other. So, you know, Kat reached out once Herology was live and was like, oh, hey, I just thought you might be interested in this if you want to like help spread the word. Um, And we could obviously give you like a, a a copy as well if you'd like to read it. And Gail, the the character that she is like, oh, why am I not writing a forward for this? And we were like, oh, yes, you can do that. Uh, absolutely, you can do that. And uh, oh, wow. the only thing we were like, oh, why didn't we ask her sooner? Why are we? Why didn't we shoot our shot there? But uh, we're so right. glad that she was forward because that she was forward about writing a forward because um, <laughs> it's really leveled up the anthology. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of people took it a lot more seriously after that. Not that people weren't taking it seriously before, but. You know, we're so excited. We just sent her um, the first draft of the anthology a couple of days ago. There are still a couple of stories that are wrapping, but we sent her the vast majority of them. And we're really excited to to get her first draft of her forward soon. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, you know, with um, with both you, your um, comics and, and Kat's comics, and you've, you know, no stranger to, to Kickstarter, um, kind of when you do something like this with an anthology... It, it, do you have a method in terms of setting, you know, reward levels or trying to dig in and, and find different, you know, different things to like entice folks, not just with the uniqueness and the talent in the stories, but in terms of like, like Kickstarter rewards. Like I think there is um, one of the ones that I saw that I thought was, was pretty cool was the, um, uh, the acrylic pin that comes with like certain levels of um, the, uh, I think it's from what is a Kira Hall story, Janssen Carbonell, um, the hair monster uh, is is pretty neat. H- how do you go about doing that? I mean, d- was there like a, a a formula or a format you had, or have over the the number of kickstarters the two of you have done collectively, you kind of found what works and what doesn't? Um, we always try to do something different with each Kickstarter, especially with each new product. So obviously, Herology is you know its own beast compared to anything we've done before. So we mm-hmm. we try to get as creative as possible. Um, our rule of thumb is you know try to offer a different reward, a different stretch goal, a different incentive bonus. So like you mentioned, we have the, the acrylic pin this time that we're offering. If you play, if your pledge is thirty five dollars or more, you get the hair monster from one of the stories in Herology. Um, you know we recently got into pins as well. You know we've done Kickstarters just for pins, some based on comics of ours, and some just you know pins that. You know, we we work to design and uh, we really loved, you know, expanding into that. So we want we knew at some point we'd always kicked around the idea of like, oh, what if we gave a pin on a Kickstarter as like a, a way to get someone to, you know, increase their pledge or pledge more at the outset. You know, this ended up being the project that made sense. We had that really cute hair monster design. Um, mm-hmm. Something else is that, you know, this is a, our second anthology. So we want to do a tier where you could get if you're an anthology fan, you get both volumes of visibility and Aerology, so like the anthology catch-up for us, we'll call it. Um, you know, we try when we're doing our Kickstarter, we have our formula. We have, you know, the things that we offer every time. And then we try to say, okay, what's different about this Kickstarter? What can we offer to make this one exciting or to to kind of entice people who maybe are more familiar with us, who back multiple projects so that they could see something different? So we never wanna we never wanna get too complacent, even if we have right. things that we know work for us. You know, one of the things I'm curious about is I, I'm I'm not a well, I guess I'm not I'm not a fan of when comics do like too many like variant covers, mm-hmm. but I know that there are a lot of collectors who like that. If you're you know in 
into collecting. And I do like when I'll see a comic that has, you know, a, a couple of unique type of variant covers. And I know, um, with hairology and I, I think the same thing was true with some of the other anthology that you've done. You've had some different covers. I'm always curious, you know, you know, when you go about, um, kind of deciding on who, like what type of artist would match the, the type of anthology or the project you're working on to offer a couple of different variant covers for like, you know, fans or, or comic collectors even who like that sort of thing. You know, how do you, like, what criteria do you use? Do you just reach out to folks that you've seen who have done some neat stuff or um, is there like some other method by which you go to, uh, to decide who would do a good variant cover for something like Hairology? It's honestly a mixed bag there. You know, we, whenever we, are approaching any comic, whether it's one of our ongoings or an anthology or just something completely new. Um, we kind of make a list of concepts for covers because cover is obviously paramount importance. There are so many people who, you know, who buy for a cover. Um, mm -hmm. So we always want to have a variety with our covers. For Hairology, we have three covers. So, you know, we kind of came up with three loose concepts that we wanted to go off of. And then we worked backwards to finding artists. Um, our cover A, we wanted to do, you know, something colorful and poppy and fun. And, you know, we love the idea of rainbow hair, especially since we have so many queer projects that, and, you know, not that Hairology is a queer project, it does have queer stories, but, you know, we kind of wanted to cater to that audience and just have something that really was attention grabbing. And, uh, you know, one of the artists who we work with, probably most often, Maru Davalos, um, you know, she worked on both volumes of My Visibility and in Hairology. She has a, a story that she did the art for. And we knew we loved her colors and we knew she would do a great job with that, that uh, colorful cover. So, you know, that was kind of the benefit of knowing someone and having a working relationship. For our other two covers, you know, we knew kind of the, the concepts we wanted to go for. We wanted one that showed a lot of different hair types. And then we wanted one that was, um, we wanted one that was like poppy, that it showed uh, that we were, had the idea of like hair kinesis, like, you know, like Medusa kind of thing. And uh, okay. you know, we wanted to do something, you know, a little sexy, not too sexy, but we want to, because that's not really something that we'd approached with our covers before. So we want to try something a little different this time around. And okay. um, for those, Jamila actually introduced us to the artist for our cover B, for the one that showed a lot of different hair types. We call it our Brighter Days cover. So that was a connection we got through Jamila. And then for our third cover, the the Beach Medusa hair cover, um, we were familiar with Tina Valentino's work. You know, we, we try to have an eye on artists and all over Kickstarter and all over, you know, anywhere that comics are made so that we can kind of write down our, our dream artists. And we've wanted to work with Tina for so long. So we just connected with her on Facebook and she loved the idea. Um, I think every cover that we, uh, every time we approach a project, we try to do a mixed bag. We definitely wouldn't want to rest on our laurels and, and use the same cover artists every time we want to get that variety. And there's definitely a lot of, of trial and error. You know, we, we reach out to tons of artists and it doesn't always work out because people's schedules are busy. But when you land the right one, it just feels like magic. Yeah, I mean, I like all three covers for this. I think, um, you know, not that I not, not that anyone's making me pick, but I, I did want to shout out the the Brighter Day cover, I, I think, is um, really great. I really like the Brighter Day cover. I really like the like the composition of it, the colors of it. And that's Anna. Um, uh, Hino Josa, if I'm saying that correctly, um, and yeah, we uh, we love that. The second we got that, we we're like, that's our thumbnail, and as you see, it is the thumbnail on here. Yeah, the stuff. We think it's 
probably the most representative of what hairology is. And that's why we love it so much. And we're so glad that we were able to, to connect with Anna and get her on that cover. And, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about, and you, you said, you know, um, you mentioned your, like the, the ongoing projects that both you and Kat have, but, um, you know, in terms of some of your other projects, in terms of like haunting, in terms of slice of life, you know, generally, um, how did you first get into writing comics? Were you, let me start, I, I guess to ask, were you always, were you a fan of comics? Like, were you an avid comic reader? Like growing up, were they always in your life or did you come to them at some other point? Um, I was always a fan of uh, comic properties growing up, you know, like when I was in, you know, middle school, high school. And then I came to act like, you know, I was a big fan of, you know, all I, the, the kinds of uh, TV shows that everybody watched, your Batman, the animated series, your, your X-Men animated series, your Spider-Man, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, I came into comics in like late high school, early college. So like in the like very early 2010s. Um, and I tried, I tried to catch up immediately. I read so much. I spent so much money. <laughs> um, and I think... <laughs> I think I was really trying to make up for lost time. And, you know, I tried okay. to like really uh, ingratiate myself into that world that I was always peripherally aware of. But, like, no one in my life really read comics until, you mm -hmm. know, I met, like, Kat and, you know, other people who were, like, hardcore comic fans in college. So it was definitely a life-changing experience in that regard. And then in terms of transitioning to, transitioning to write comics, um, you know, I think I, I, always, I always wanted to write. You know, I, I took a lot of English classes in college. I practically have an English degree. I'm like four credits short of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I knew Kat had been writing comics for a couple of years at the point when I first wrote my first comic haunting. And, you know, I was a big fan of her work and, you know, she was always telling me about how rewarding it was. So, you know, I just knocked out a script that originally had been a prose script for me. I was like, oh, let me try my hand at making this a comic. It was would become haunting my my horror comic, and I always thought, oh, this is pretty visually interesting. I feel like the comic medium would be would be very conducive to telling this story. And you know, from there, I kind of just never looked back. I my first Kickstarter when I launched that was in March of 2020, so it was literally right when the first lockdown started, and right. it was right when Diamond shut down. It was right when uh people weren't able to get their regular comics, so. You know, obviously it was a difficult time, but it also was a time when people were hungry for new comics. And I think that was part of the reason that Haunting did as well as it did for from coming from somebody who had no experience creating comics at that point. And, you know, from there, it just kind of snowballed. I had a wonderful experience. I was able to gain an audience pretty quickly. And then from there, you know, I was making doing my own thing. Kat was doing her own thing. We were already very good friends and we collaborated on a crossover between our individual creator owned properties. and. We had such a, a good time writing it that we were like, all right, we should we should work together more often. That was the easiest thing we've ever wrote, wrote written. And uh, that's when we came up with Slice of Life, our webtoon, probably our most well-known uh, property. You know, we were both queer creators. We were both familiar with webtoon and wanted to break into that space. So we broke that story together and kind of haven't looked back since then. You know, we formed our, our company, Lifeline Comics, and now we collaborate on on most of our projects. Yeah, that, uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, I um, I would go to a comic shop, and I, I've told this story, like, I think a bunch on the podcast, but I would go, my dad would take my brother and I, and my dad would would buy 
number one comics like it was his terrible, terrible investment plan. And so my brother and I would buy comics, but I don't know how many of them I actually like read. It was like, oh, my dad bought us number one comics. And it wasn't until much later that I really started like reading comics. Um, and so like, what was it for you, you know, uh, when you really start getting into actually like reading comics and not just on the, the, the periphery, um, what was it that kind of hooked you into like reading, you know, wanting to read comics and wanting to catch up? Um, I remember the first comic I ever bought. Um, and this isn't counting like, you know, if I got like a graphic novel or something like the first time I went to a comic book store because I heard something enticing to me was mm -hmm. Gotham City Sirens because I was such a big fan of, you know, Harley Quinn at the time who was a lot less media omnipresent than she is in the present day. And I remember I was like, oh, that's such a cool idea. You know, Batman's dead. Harley, Ivy and Catwoman move in together. And I was like, I need to own that. So, you know, I ran to the I found the comic book store. I took the train there, which was a foreign concept to me at the time. Um, and I bought the first issue and I loved it. And then I started, you know, researching like, okay, how do we get to this point? When did Batman die? That was kind of my, my gateway, the, like death, the battle for the cowl, you know, po uh, Batman reborn era. And then I kind of okay. used that just right out backwards. I was like, all right, let's, let's catch up on Batman. I was like, all right, let's catch up on, uh, all this Green Lantern stuff that's going on. I'd never known anything about Green Lantern. And then from there, I was just expanding outward. It's like, all right, now I've now I've got a pretty good breadth of the DC universe. Let's expand it to Marvel. Let's check out some X-Men. Let's check out some Spider-Man. Um, so I, I think that's kind of my personality. You know, I tend to I tend to get consumed with something when I become a I don't do things in small measure. So yeah, oh yeah. Um, I just needed no, that I, first gateway. Yeah, no, I I I can relate to that. I mean, I um I I I I would read some graphic novels and some comics, but I was somewhere and some and um I think my wife and I were in Philly and, and we're at a, a wizard world just because it was in town and we thought we'd go check out like a wizard world comic convention or something like that. And I saw, I think it was the, it was like right around when blackest night um, was a story. And I'm like, Oh, that seems neat. You know, like, on all, and, or the, 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 the lantern war with all the different colored lanterns. I was like, Oh, that sounds fun. And then I, I did the same thing. I went and I read, like collected, uh, I think I bought the hardcovers when they came out of all like the Blackest Night stories and read all of those. And then I was like, "Oh, well, how did we get? How did we get here?" I, know. I started. I, I started working back because I was, in the same boat, I was yeah, like, and I oh, went. Man. I, how, I, how I did, went. Yeah, I sorry, went and got all. The, I went and got all the Crisis books because I had never read it, and I got you know Crisis on Infinite Earths and then Infinite Crisis and Identity Crisis and Final Crisis and I went through them and then I just spent um um luckily we have a really good library here in uh in North Wilmington Delaware so I was able to the library has a ton of graphic novels so that that was a big help in terms of catching up on uh on DC for me yeah, I, I had a very similar path with uh, with like that Blackest Night event. I was like, oh man, there's so much history here that I don't know nothing about. Let me let me figure out what I need to work backwards and read. And um, I we had we had a decent library, um, but I did end up. I I remember breaking my bank every every week. I was like, all right, these are the twenty graphic novels I'm going to buy to try to work my way backwards here. Um, so it wasn't uh, probably wasn't as good of a library as you had, but no regrets. I. I built a, a collection that should have taken me maybe five years in, in like six months. Oh my gosh. Wow. 
I just remember when I was reading Blackest Night, because I knew who, you know, from different DC things throughout the years, I knew who a good number of the characters were. But I, I would read the Blackest Night graphic novels with, uh, like, the, um, with Wikipedia open to try because I couldn't, I didn't know who a lot of them were. And I'm like, I just need to, I just need to go back and like start somewhere and kind of catch up on DC. And then uh, it'll make sense. Maybe I would read Wikipedia and I'd be, I'd be in this weird middle ground where I was like, I want to know what's going on, but I don't want to spoil myself too much in case I work my way backwards and read this. And then sometimes I'd read something (laughs) like, Oh man, I didn't want to know what happened to Aquaman and Mara's son. God damn it. Now I have to, or backwards to that. So uh it was a it was a balancing act and it was a lot of Wikipedia skimming. Yeah. Yeah, I did I I did the same thing, but I I mean I really enjoyed, you know, a lot of those stories. And then you know, like doing that, you kind of find the writers and the artists that you mm-hmm. like and appreciate and then can kind of follow their, you know, their their careers to uh create their own stuff or whatever it else it is they might they might be getting up to. Um so where do things stand in terms of the the current status of slice of life and and haunting i mean i um i know are you still working on haunting stories oh yeah absolutely we actually uh i haven't i don't think we've announced this officially yet but our next kickstarters after herology will be a new issue of haunting for me our our fifth issue and for cat she'll be simultaneously doing a new like fall like daughter which has been on hiatus her superhero book is which has been on hiatus for about two years now so she's coming yeah. back with a big action-packed uh, new issue of that. So, you know, we never want to awesome. lose sight of our... Sorry to interrupt. We never want to lose no, sight no. of our creator-owned projects because, you know, those are... We're so passionate about long-form storytelling. And, you know, that's one of the things we love most about comics is just they, they have long-form baked into them. These are characters who, for most part, have existed for decades and just have, like, these endless lives and continuous stories. And, you know, that's kind of why we created these ongoings. We always want to be able to tell um stories and about characters who can continue to grow and evolve over time so i don't think we'll ever we'll ever ditch that format and we're really excited to because it's been a minute actually since we launched either of those projects a new issue we're really excited for that oh that's great um yeah i think i think i've read seven issues of like father like daughter i think it's the next one is that so i'm all caught up i think i think i'm three in on on haunting i don't know if i've read the fourth issue yet so i'm one behind on haunting phil uh, you'll get there don't worry <laughs> <laughs> and i i'm pretty sure i did back the uh, like father like daughter haunting crossover right i believe you did yeah and that one's <laughs> that one's probably our favorite that's just so much fun to write um i think that uh both both cat and i that like i said that was the start of our partnership we were like oh this is this is fun and easy we got to keep doing this <laughs> What type of stories do you, you know, like to tell? Do you gravitate towards? I mean, Haunting's kind of, you know, being a, a horror story, um, slice of life with the the stories you've collected with Cat in terms of the bi-visibility and and, and hairology anthology. Um, you know, what, but what type of stories in particular do you really gravitate towards? Do you like to tell? Um, I think I'm definitely a massive horror fan. Horror is my favorite genre to consume. Like I love horror movies, I love okay. horror comics, and I love writing horror, of course. But uh, you know, we try to we try to have kind of a diverse library. We have Kat and I between us have such a wide palette, I would say, of interests. You know, we both love you know queer stories. We love horror. We like good romance. So you know, like we try to whenever we're 
adding a new book to our library. We try to cover something a little bit different than anything we've done before. We want to make sure that we have something for everyone. And then, you know, obviously that's nonwithstanding. If I tomorrow wake up and I'm like, I have this amazing idea for a horror comic, I need to write this. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we have such diverse interests that we want to make sure that we're putting that out there as well. Always, you know, catering to maybe different people who might find us and then work their way backwards to other things we have if they have a diverse range of, range of interests as well. Which, by the way, is something we see so often. Like, there are so many people who found haunting through by visibility. Just like there happened to be a lot of horror fans who were bisexual and wanted a bisexual anthology. So I think, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the approach that we take. We wanna we wanna have a lot to offer and just assume that there's so much intersectionality. People have a wide range of interests. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um I had friends of mine who back by visibility, because that was the first, you know, comic that I wrote that was published. Mm-hmm. And um it, that led them to I, I guess you know, get get the emails and the things you do to build up your email list, you know, with um your backers about new projects. And that when I think they got an email about like when Slice of Life, like the, I guess it was the first Kickstarter, maybe. Mm-hmm. And they were just like over the moon excited about it. <laughs> oh, we love so, to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, they're that big was, fans uh, now. That was maybe the best decision we ever made was following up by visibility with Slice of Life. Because for everything I just said about like, you know, diversity of genres and like people, people like different things and we want to have that bleed over. You can't, you also can't deny going from by visibility, slice of life, queer project to queer project. We don't, we don't know if slice of life would be the success it is today, if not for that. So definitely we're, we're happy that we went that approach. Um, you know, is there, I guess, a, a slight offshoot of the, the question I'd asked previously, is there any type of genre that you are kind of like itching to tackle next in terms of genre storytelling? Um, lately, I've been really wanting to kind of do something. I've been kicking around the idea of something space horror. You know, I feel like um, I'm trying to, I'm kind of crafting my next solo project because Kat and I love working together, but we also try to do solo projects as well to you know, like keep our, our own individual brands as well. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've been trying to think, okay, what's something that Kat would hate to write? And Kat doesn't like space at all. And I love, <laughs> space. I love space and I love horror. So yeah, I think that's something I might want to break into. Um, I think definitely comedy. I think, uh, I think we write a lot of com- comedic stuff in the stuff that we, in the other genres that we approach, but I would like to write something that's a bit more farcical in nature. Um, okay. You know, I don't know when that'll be, but, uh, I think that would be a lot of fun and uh, a, lot, a little different than what we have available currently. So those are two very different areas I'm looking at, space horror and comedy. Yeah, they, they are. I, I mean, I think comedy can be very difficult to do in comics, but there are I've seen folks do it well. And um, I think if you can, if you can nail it, it and it's just... I think it's almost one of those things. If you can, if you can do it well, it's almost guaranteed to be successful because there aren't a lot of I think comics right now that are doing you know that type of thing. Um, you know, depending on farce or satire. I mean, you have writers like you know Mark Russell. Um, you know, comes to mind some of the stuff they do at like uh, Ahoy Comics. But um, yeah, that I I I'd love to see a. Um, a Phil Falco uh, co- comedy comic. 
I'll put on my uh, my clown nose and I'll I'll get to writing it soon. <laughs> um, you know, you say you what you consume in terms of like horror uh, being the, the 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 number one like genre maybe that you consume. Like, what right now like excites you either you know in TV, movies, or or in comics? Um, definitely. Like I said, I love horror. Um, lately, I've been rewatching all of the Scream movies to get ready for the new one. I'm very excited about that. One of my favorite horror franchises. Um, I try to I try to watch a lot. You know, recently, what am I? What am I just watching? Um, I was watching you on Netflix right before this podcast with my partner. Um, you know, that's that's always fun and wacky, and um, I like that it reinvents itself every season. Um, I just watched uh, the Owl House, an animated Disney show. Um, you know, I try to I try to watch. I loved Wednesday recently. I try to I try to watch, you know, A, the things that people love that people are talking about, but also just like right. completely different things all over. The, I guess that's kind of the refrain of this whole conversation is that I really like consuming as much different media as possible because I love finding different voices and different um, ways to appreciate storytelling. And uh, I think I think I have a pretty wide <laughs> I think I have a pretty wide uh I can't think of the word, but a palette, I guess, is a word to use. But I think I have a pretty wide uh, spectrum of things that I, I enjoy to consume. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, that, that that makes sense, though, in terms of like wanting to be a storyteller and trying to, I think everything that we see or experience kind of colors our storytelling. And, you know, I, I know in my own life, I like to watch different things and try and find the, um, you know, like find the comedy in in the drama, or find you know the 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 heartfelt moment in something silly. You know, I, I to try and weave in those different things. And I think the more sure. we experience uh, different types of storytelling, the more that our own you know uh, our own abilities can grow. Definitely so I think agree. that makes sense. Um. So, you know, as you uh, see the, the 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 Kickstarter for for Hairology to kind of get back to that, are you somebody that kind of like uh, will uh, obsessively refresh, or do you kind of like you know it, it'll be okay? We you know how, how how do you handle the kind of pressure and stress of that, Jimmy? I think on this call, yeah. I've refreshed about four times. So I think that's <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that, I'll, uh, that answers I'll have that. the tab open. I'll literally be talking to you and I'll be like, oh, while I'm talking about Blackest Night, let me quickly refresh. Um, I think uh, I'm definitely the obsessive type if if everything I've set up to this point doesn't indicate that. So, uh, um, and I'm not really a nervous refresher. I'm always just like, oh, let's see. Let's see if the, I can get that little rush of adrenaline when I see the the numbers go up. But uh, mm-hmm. I think we're pretty happy with Hairology. You know, it's uh, it's trucking along very nicely. I think we're in a safe space to like hit our funding goal and be able to do everything that we want to do. Um, but Kat and I like to like give ourselves rules. Like after we launch, it's like okay, let's do all of our tweets, let's send all of our emails, refresh once, and then don't touch it for an hour, and then we can refresh, and we'll be on the phone call <laughs> when we refresh it together. <laughs> um, so. That's that kind of shows how how obsessive we are that we have to actually give ourselves the rules about when we can refresh. But uh, right, yeah, I think uh, 
I don't think we've had a Kickstarter so far that we've had to really worry about. I think we've had some that like blew us away, like uh, the first by visibility funded in like a day. And uh, our last pin Kickstarter really surprised us. It funded like in a couple of hours. Um, and then, you know, others, maybe they took a little while, but I think, I think everything's tracked nicely. We've been fortunate in that regard that, you know, people have shown mm-hmm. up for us. I think Herology is shaping up in the same way where uh, I don't think that either of us is, is nervous or, we're just like, oh man, let's let's get there, so we can so we can say we got there. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I um, no, I think that's great in terms of you know trying to dial back, you know, the the uh, obsessive refreshing, uh, you know, dial it back twenty percent as much as we and, can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and try and you know keep on uh, you know going through. Um, you know, in terms of not just picking the stories for hairology, in terms of working with Kat, working with uh, Jamila, um, you know, do you self-edit a lot when you write? And how do you approach editing like other folks' stories? Like, did you have other editors work on hairology? Um, with the anthologies, um, you know, phase one was curation. So we would read the stories to get whether together individually, whatever methodology mm-hmm. we're using for a given anthology, and pick out what do we want in the anthology. Not really in an editor headspace, more in just just the curation. Like, does this story say something different? Is it unique? Is the writing style like really great? Do we really, really love the voice? And then once we've curated, or at least narrowed down to like, let's say we're gonna we're gonna have 10 stories, and then maybe we have 15 now that we're considering. That's when we kind of read through them again in editing mode. And our approach for every round of for every anthology so far actually has been the editors will read together, kind of give overall notes and just kind of like have a brainstorming round table session. And then we'll put a lead editor in charge of each story. Once we let's say we have 10 stories. So like me, Jamila and Cap will each get three and then someone gets an extra one. And then they'll take the lead on really interrogating the script and kind of collecting our overall thoughts that we, we gave in that round table. And then also giving more like detail, like line editing where necessary. You know, mm-hmm. we, we try to, we try to be fair in that. Obviously we don't want to change anyone's voice. We don't want to over edit, but we also want to interrogate a script to make it the best that it can be. So I think that methodology has worked out pretty well for us having the, the lead editor quote unquote. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was just curious if, like, if somebody did take the lead or, you know, if it was each story was done by committee. But, yeah, that probably makes the most sense in terms of cutting down the, you know, number of hours to, you know, work and, and get everything moving along to for the actual yeah. creation of the anthology. It's definitely still a little time consuming because, obviously, it's a lot of reading and it's a lot of rereading. I'd say the scripts that made it into the anthology, I pro- we probably each read them, like, 10 times separately because there was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like the individual and then polish off and get your final picks and then um, read them together and then read them individually a couple of extra times to to do your more specific editing if you are the the lead editor on it. But it's definitely worth it. And um, I think we're proud of everything that made it into this anthology. I never anthology. I don't think we've ever had it done. I think everything's been exciting to us. Do you have any other, I mean, you don't have to give anything away now, but are there any other like uh, anthology topics that you ever bat around and you're just like, oh, one day I'm going to do this? Um, We actually have two anthologies planned. Um, One of them soon, one of them, 
or actually I can't tell you what it is yet, but one of them will be launching in the early summer. And, you know, that one's actively in progress and um, really excited about it. So it's a little different from what we've done before, but also a little similar. Um, and then after that one, this, this, the next anthology won't be for a little while, but uh, in a similar vein to hair, we, we wanted to tackle something something that everybody has a relationship to is what I'll say. And everybody probably okay. has their own story and there's cultural implications and I'm going to stop being vague now, but uh, <laughs> I think, I think we're, we're anthology people now. I think we definitely want to do at least one a year, possibly two. And it's been such a great way to connect with creators. Like um, Kat just the other day was tweeting about like, and she surprised me with this tweet because usually we'll be like, Oh, what are we going to tweet about this week? And then I woke up to this. She's like, Oh, we, on Hairology alone, like we we teamed up with these people only a couple of months ago, and already five of the creators we're already teaming up with on something else. We have a couple. We had about Yansan Carbonell who worked on Hair Wars, that that story with the hair monster that the acrylic pen is on. He's sure. already done a slice of life short for us that we uh, published on uh, Zest World, a, pa- a platform that we recently joined. Um, we already have a couple of the artists on Hairology doing variant covers for. Uh, an issue of Slice of Life for one of them, uh, our next anthology. So it's a, and one of the artists in Hairology, we actually have working on a new creator owned project Kat and I are working on. So it's just in addition to getting to tell all of these like, really cool stories from different creators, it's a great way to just meet people that you can collaborate with in the future. So, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I bet. Um, cause you've had some amazing, you know, uh, writers and, and artists on the anthologies. Um, Myself excluded. Uh, <laughs> everyone else, great. Um, we always say, "Oh, that Jimmy, the only uh, the black sheep of." <laughs> that's that's nice. My family feels the same way about me, <laughs> but I'm bum. Um, it, we do you think you'll stick with? Uh, I mean, if you don't know this, it's fine. But do you think you'll stick with the method of kind of like putting out an open call, or do you ever think you'll go to more of like a like, you know? Um, like actually like picking the specific artists and writers for the anthology. Um, I think I don't know the answer to that yet. I do know that each time it's getting to be a little more work. And I say that with love because obviously it's fun work, but every time we open the calls, we get more submissions and it takes a little more time, which is why we, it was actually impossible for us to read all of them together when it came to hairology, like we did for that first by visibility. So um, at some point we might need to, find a little bit more of a restrictive method, but also I'm so reluctant to say that because some of our biggest surprises were people we had no idea about. Like, um, actually I'd say maybe a third of the writers in Hairology, this is their first comic. Um, I believe it was your first comic when you submitted to By Visibility, right? Yeah, it was the first thing I ever had published. So we, uh, yeah. we definitely, one of our favorite things about anthologies is giving people a chance to you know, publish for the first time with like, you know, no cost to themselves and getting paid for their work. Um, so I don't know. I think it would be a really big conversation if we ever got to the point of not having open submissions, but right. I think that's definitely something we'll see. Um, I think we'll definitely see open submissions for anthologies. I will say the next one we're doing, the one in June is kind of a different piece. So actually that was an open submission. That's why it's more of a little mystery project, but okay. uh, there's a specific reason for that. It's a, it's a very specific theme. And again, I'm being vague, so I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's it's fine. Look, we, our li- listeners understand. You know, we we do the best we can to talk about comics and what we like, and 
talk about the different anthologies and the the different projects. So, you know, we're just doing our best chatting about comics and what we like. And, <laughs> oh, well, Phil, I really appreciate you uh, being on the Cryptic Creator Corner today. And I encourage everybody, because um, there'll still be some time. Uh, I think the Kickstarter goes until March 9th. Yes, that's right. All right. So by the time we, we put this out, I think there'll be at least, um, we're recording this two weeks before then. So you, you'll at least have a week or so when we put this episode out. Uh, as soon as you're done listening, uh, there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes for Hairology. And um, if you haven't gotten the other anthologies, you should. because you get them right on the page. You can get them. And you can read my first story and a lot of other uh, amazing stories. And in, in by visibility, uh, both issues are fantastic. And I can't wait to read all the stories in Hairology because if you look through the, ca- the campaign page, they're just the diverse creators, the diverse storytelling, uh, not only in theme, but genre. Uh, it just looks uh, it looks wonderful. And I can't read the I can't wait to read the Gail Simone forward, to be honest with you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, like I said, we just sent her the, the book a few days ago. So I think we'll get that forward soon. And I'm sure it'll have a ton of personality to it. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, well, Phil, so before I let you go, is there anything else you want, you know, to tell the listeners about hairology or anything else that you and Kat, um, Jamila have coming out or what we can expect from um, your company? It's uh, Lifeline Comics, right? Lifeline, that's right. Um, All right. Yeah, just uh, I think with hairology, like you said, there's there's something for everyone in there. I think if you scroll through the page, you're guaranteed to find something that resonates with you. And, you know, Jamila, Kat, and I worked really hard to make sure that we were representing as many people as possible. So, you know, definitely check it out. I'm, I'm sure you'll find something for you. And, you know, there's digital and physical options on the Kickstarter to check out the book. Uh, in terms of what to expect in the future, expect more anthologies, including one coming up in June that we're really excited for. Um, if you're interested in in ongoings, Kat and I have our our supernatural horror haunting and our teen superhero like Call Like Daughter coming in late March. Um, you know, best way to keep up with us is to follow us on Kickstarter, on social media, join our mailing list, however you, however you do. And uh, yeah, we always try to do new and exciting things. So if you like, if you like seeing variety, then give us a follow. Yeah, and just uh, my own personal plug, um, I have, like I said earlier in this conversation, I, I've read all seven issues of like Father Like Daughter. I've read Cats comic i think i read the first two issues of they call her the dancer um i've read haunting i've read the like father like daughter haunting crossover i really enjoyed um slice of life is uh fantastic in terms of uh what's available on both like webtoon and zest world now mm-hmm. that's right yeah so i i mean just some fantastic comics wonderful storytelling cat and phil work with some amazing artists to bring their projects to life and um yeah phil thanks a lot for coming on today Thank you for having me, Jimmy. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, for Comic Book Yeti's Cryptic Creator Corner, uh, this has been Jimmy Gasparro. Um, if you've enjoyed this conversation, like and subscribe and you know, tell your friends and say nice things about us because we need to hear them. Um, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.